This week on Millennial. The internet is thirsting over President Zelensky. I get it. He's hot as fuck. (laughs) But remember that he also says that politicians should not be idolized. It's very dangerous to be doing that. I think we should try to create our own Mandela effect, but I don't know how to really get that started. Like, do we just start saying a phrase on air like we've always known it? I think that we take the hashtag out of the logo and then we erase all traces of the old <laughs> That's, that's sneaky though, Pam. That's and then sneaky. we like gaslight and everyone. Then, yeah. <laughs> we say there was never a hashtag. Just over a hundred years ago, white women didn't have the right to vote. And, you know, it took even longer for women of color um, and people of color to get that right. So to see the first black woman being seated on the Supreme Court is meaningful in a number of ways. Welcome to Millennial 808, the home of fake adulting, but real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. So here's our plan for today. We're going to talk Ukraine a little bit here at the top of the show, but then the rest of the episode will be lighter. It's an important topic, but also I'm sure everybody's hearing a lot about it. So maybe you're using Millennial as a little escape from some of the realities of the world right now. So I think one of the big stories of the week in regards to Ukraine is how the West is collectively pushing back against Russia. I'll talk about the private companies angle. We've seen a lot of private companies taking a stand against Russia. Just over the past couple of days, all the major Hollywood studios have halted any new releases from hitting Russian theaters for the foreseeable future. Apple had a big announcement today, too. They are pausing product sales in Russia from their website. That's a really big deal. And YouTube, Apple, Facebook, TikTok, and I think some others are blocking access to Russian news channels, RT and Sputnik from outside of Russia. So I really like seeing how these companies are stepping up and, um, you know, taking a stand. And then Laura, uh, of course, the world leaders are doing some things, too. Yeah, so there are sanctions everywhere, but kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit today was SWIFT. So SWIFT is the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. Um, In short, it's a vast messaging network used by banks and other financial institutions to quickly, accurately, and securely send and receive information, such as money transfer instructions. So If you're in Russia and you're trying to make a payment for a service that you use on the internet, this is not great news for you um, because the European Union Council agreed on sanctions to remove some Russian banks from SWIFT. So the TLDR here is that a lot of Russians can't make payments. And I've seen long lines at Russian banks and ATMs. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bank of Russia has assured citizens that money's not going to disappear. Don't worry about it. But mm-hmm. Russians are rightfully worried. I think yeah. one of the big things I don't see a ton of people talking about is I feel bad for Russians yeah. who didn't want this. And Absolutely. I assume most no. of them don't. Some of them right. are even going out and protesting, which is very ballsy to do in Russia. Yeah. Also, for just real. think about like not being able to feed yourself because you don't have money. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so like, do they have does Putin have a plan in place to feed his people? <laughs> no. I mean, you know, of course, of course not. But it is it is really sad that that the actions of one madman is going to affect an entire country right. of people. Yeah, to your question, Pam, I feel like that's one of those, I don't know for a fact that Putin doesn't have a plan, but I just know that he doesn't. You were a bet- a betting lady yeah, you would bet on no. Exactly. I get that. I would too. Putin has apparently seemingly become increasingly unhinged. Apparently people, you know, high up even in this inner circle, I've seen some reporting, um, are are nervous about him and who he's become. Like, they don't recognize this person anymore. And that's, of course, very terrifying for the world. Yeah, absolutely. And just to drive home the economic impact here, the Russian ruble plummeted in value to less than one cent U.S. today. Mm-hmm. Just picture that. Um, the intention of 
all of these sanctions is to target more than $600 billion in reserves that the Kremlin has at its disposal to support the ruble in the event of, say, inflation, something we talked about on the show just a couple weeks ago. Um, And the resulting economic consequences could leave Putin, according to Time magazine, facing political unrest at home. I have to think that that is the end goal here, right? To sort of place pressure on Putin from within, because these sanctions not only impact sort of like everyday Russians who are just trying to live their lives and have nothing to do with this, um, but it also impacts sort of the elites of Putin's inner circle. They're not going to like it either. Right, right. Yeah. And it's all. It, and then the question just comes up for those people in his inner circle. What is all this for, by the way? Why are you screwing yep. us? Why can I no longer see Jurassic World Dominion Putin? I was a big fan of uh, that franchise. Come on, man. I really like Chris Pratt over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it is nice to see that most of the world is presenting a united effort on this. It is inspiring, honestly, to see the world get together when we're so divided in so many ways. It is. And I have to say, a lot of people have brought up sort of like, it's interesting to watch Ukrainians fighting and risking their lives to protect their capital. When just a year ago, some of, you know, our yahoos on this side of the world were trying to destroy our capital. It's such an interesting parallel. And I think about, you know, Ukraine It's been a sovereign nation, what, since 1991? So there are people alive in Ukraine right now who remember when it was a part of Russia. They remember gaining their independence. So I feel like they have a deeper appreciation for that independence, maybe, than certain people here who are actively supporting Putin do. I just find it so wild that there are people mostly on the Trump side of politics who want to justify Putin's actions here. Um, It's really like being in the twilight zone to watch some of these conservative ideologues become pro-Russia and pro-Putin. Yeah. Like I, it's like we're living in the upside down again, or maybe we have been the whole time. But yeah, to the point you raised earlier, Andrew, I think it's super important to also drive, you know, drive the point home that Russian people didn't do this. Russian business owners here in the U.S., they didn't do this. Continue to be kind to people. The real, you know, fuckboy in this situation is Putin and all of his lackeys. This isn't the fault of any individual. Yeah, that's a good point. I've seen uh, headlines, including here in Vegas, there's a bar that's doing this. They're pouring out their Russian vodka. They're switching it to Ukraine vodka. And like, yeah, I get that. And that's cool and everything. But like, did Putin have an investment in that vodka company that you're pouring down the drain? I like, I, I get it. But what about the people who are behind that vodka and didn't want this war? Just something to think about. It's funny you mentioned that because I also saw a headline about how Canada is pulling Russian liquor off of its shelves. But I guess they're able to do that because um, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I guess Canada, like the liquor stores are owned by the government. So they don't oh. have to oh, that's right. perhaps worry about paying out, you know, mom and pop shops because you're right, you know, like that at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily ho- uh, hurt Putin, but it hurts whoever purchased (laughs) that wholesale. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so exactly. There's just and I mean, there's so much heartbreak in this situation. Um, So we're going to continue talking about it. But we also want to make sure that we're keeping things balanced here on the show. We know that there is a ton of news on this situation. Even in social apps like TikTok, you're seeing a ton of stuff there. So we are trying not to like completely overwhelm people, but we do want to provide these kind of like, you know, pulse updates as we notice them on the show. So that's something you can expect from us in the weeks to come. Yeah. And by the way, we're going to talk a little bit more about everybody's role on social media Mm -hmm. um, during a crisis like this. But 
on TikTok real quick, be very careful the sources you're getting this information yes. from, whether it's TikTok or stories you see on Facebook, etc. There's going to be a lot of misinformation out there, especially on TikTok. From what I see on TikTok, TikTok, there's so much clickbait shit. And a lot of it is just going to be to get views. A lot of it might not even be true or or misleading, purposely misleading to get you to watch longer. So just be careful out there. And I'll also just kind of end it on this note. I feel like we have to acknowledge this. The internet is thirsting over President Zelensky. I get it. He's hot as fuck. (laughs) And just his entire approach towards being sort of involved in the civilian army and remaining in Ukraine when given multiple chances to get out. His famous quote of, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition when the U.S. offered to get him out. I get it. I totally get it. But remember that he also says that politicians should not be idolized. It's very dangerous to be doing that. So, you know, thirst away, but just remember, he is still an elected official. (laughs) Please and I would thank say you. <laughs> if you're going to thirst, don't do it publicly. I admit, I saw this video of him out on the street last week. And my first thought was, Dilf. Oh, my God. Wait, what? <laughs> Dilf. But just actually in the last day, and I'm glad you brought this up, I did, I did realize I have to check myself. We shouldn't yeah. be horny over this leader right now. This guy is fighting for his own life, fighting for his country's life. It's a really horrible moment right now for him. And I think part of it is that he does actually have this acting background. And he was like the voice of Paddington, the bear in the UK, or sorry, not UK, the Ukrainian translation of that movie. Wow, I didn't Um, know that. Yeah. And I think when people see that, they maybe, they'd see him less as a world leader. I think that a lot of us in the West just aren't used to seeing our elected officials put themselves out there in the way that Zelensky has. I mean, he is shoulder to shoulder with his military and his citizens. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily the approach that's always called for. But when is that something that we've ever seen on this side of the world? I mean, really? I think the other part of it, too, is that he did a really good job. This is either him or whoever sort of his like, you know, press secretary, I'm not sure like what the terminology is for this. But he did an amazing job of setting himself up to have a ton of exposure um, so that people can see that he is on the ground and he is directly involved and it's a grassroots effort and he is involved in it. And remember early on when we knew there were threats against his life and we had heard that the Russian military had been advised to like kill on site and things like that. What they've done is essentially set him up to be a martyr in the event of that happening. So I feel like because they've done that, it's probably less of a motivation on Putin's part to do that now because it further lionizes this person whose country he's trying to take over. Yeah. Sorry, my dog is crying. I see her too. <laughs> She's thirsting over Zelensky. Oh, God. Canela, no. Bad dog. Bad. I will say in terms of the thirsting, I think people look for light in dark times. So yep. if there is an excuse... I guess that's a good one. Have you seen this, Pam, the thirsting? Have you thirsted yourself? You can be honest here. It's a safe Um, space. I have not thirsted myself, I hate to say, but I do understand why it's almost like a romanticized view of what a leader should be. Just the fact that, you know, like Laura was saying, he was target number one and chose to stay behind despite having options to evacuate goes a long way in terms of showing you know, the anybody that maybe was hesitant about his ability to to lead a country that, you know, maybe they they picked the right person because somebody else might not do that. All right. Well, that's it for Ukraine for now. We, we will return to it probably in the weeks ahead, but we'll try to educate people, maybe take some angles that others aren't taking. And yeah, just everybody stay safe out there and 
yeah. take care of yourselves. It's a t- tough situation for everybody, of course, especially the people of Ukraine. So, And also remember, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We are not foreign policy experts. We are not economists economists um i can't Guilt even say experts. the experts yeah nothing like that so the last thing i want is for anyone to walk away from this being like this is my opinion because i heard them say it on millennial like we don't know what we're talking about this should be like your entry point to learning more about this issue yes for sure we are getting our info from legit sources though i'll just yes. say that <laughs> yeah oh 100 percent. i mean like reuters AP News, BBC, Time Washington Magazine, Post, New York Times. Yeah. yeah, I mean we're going we're going to the real places. Delph Weekly, Delph Weekly, of course. But you know, I just think you got to remember that everybody's got a slant, and I think it's super yeah. important with these high profile stories to not just take other people's word for it. As promised, the rest of today's episode will be lighter. Pam, there was a trend on TikTok that you wanted to discuss with us. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I wanted to use this TikTok I stumbled across last week as a bit of a springboard to talk about Mandela effects, which obviously that term is not anything new. Um, But uh, in order to do this, I'm actually going to put Laura on the spot because she was not here when, when Andrew and I were discussing this segment. And I wanted to know if, first of all, you've heard of the term bucket list. Yes. Okay. Um. If, if, and if you were to like get, guess, when do you think that term was coined? Oh my god! Like, does it feel like something you've heard your whole life? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, so it at does. least like before you were born, it predates you, or you would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it. It predates me. I feel like I've heard older people in my life refer to having a bucket list at some point. There was a movie when we were kids called The Bucket List. I think Jack Nicholson was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's my only context around that term. Are you well, about to blow my mind? Yeah, I would have actually <laughs> answered the same way you did. And I honestly did until I was watching this TikTok that we'll link in the show notes for anybody that wants to see it. Um, but I'm really glad that you brought up the movie because apparently... 2007 was the first time this word was officially documented, and it was officially supposedly coined for the movie starring Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. What? That's Laura's reaction is my reaction. You can see why it went viral on TikTok. What? How did I not see this TikTok for starters? I'm all over TikTok. (laughs) And you know, I think the thing about the phrase bucket list or the bucket list is it just, it feels old. The phrase feels like an old phrase yeah. they would use in like the 1800s when they had a bucket next to them and they were like, <laughs> right. I'm on death. But also because, you know, you say, I that so-and-so kicked the bucket. Right. And everybody knows what that's, that means. And that's a very old phrase. I bet people are conflating the two. Right, exactly. So, And that is part of what the Mandela effect is. So for anybody that doesn't know, the Mandela effect is when a large number of people share false memory. Um, this is a nod, the, the name itself is a nod to former South Africa President Nelson Mandela. Um, he officially passed away in 2013. But large groups of people actually recall having memories of him passing during his imprisonment in the 1980s. So some of our parents might even be confused about when he died because a large group of people are convinced that, you know, he died before it was officially announced in 2013, which is kind of crazy because that is something that predates the Internet, right? Right. Or like the mass internet as we know it. Um, some believers of the Mandela effect take it a step further and additionally believe that these shared false memories are actually proof of parallel universes. And, you know, they kind of say that that like all of these false memories are where our two timelines are overlapping. So they're, you know, they believe that these things actually did happen. They just didn't happen in, in our shared <laughs> lifetime. I see. So that's kind of interesting. It's very conspiracy theory, um, which kind of makes it a little bit fun. But it's also kind of mind blowing whenever you are pointed out that something you thought was always around or was the way it was isn't. So 
Um, I wanted to run through some examples that I found online, just a few. Sometimes uh, this happens with spelling too, which I guess is a little bit more believable in terms of, you know, maybe thinking, oh, maybe I just like misremembered it, you know? So like a good example of this is uh, Looney Tunes is tune like a, like iTunes. Like that's how some people, uh, that's the proper way, but then most people remember it being like tunes like cartoons. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, Berenstein Bears is another big one. A lot of people think it's Berenstein with an E, but it's Berenstein with an A. And this one drives people up the wall because they'll go back and like look at picture books at the library and be like, where's the E in Berenstein? <laughs> but it's actually Berenstein. Yeah, oh. that one legitimately got me because I, throughout my whole childhood, nobody ever called it Berenstein. Everyone called it Berenstein. So was it like yeah. a right. collective mispronunciation that Maybe. drove this? Like people are just being lazy. <laughs> yeah. The other ones that also, well, actually, Amanda M in the Discord is bringing up one that was on my list. I'll bring it up now. This is the one that drives me crazy. And I know it drives a lot of millennials crazy. So many people remember Sinbad playing a genie named Shazam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he never played a genie at all. <laughs> Shaq did play a genie in the movie Kazam, but there are so many people out there online. If you just, you know, search Shaq Shazam or um, Sinbad Shazam and they go into like detailed plot of what I, they remember from this movie. And it is kind of crazy to think that, you know, that movie doesn't exist at all because I definitely thought it did for a really long yeah, time. But and there's I feel no recollection like of it. I, I know that it's not real, but I feel like I remember movie posters for it. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Some people, I think, thought the same thing. I'm reading the history on it. And they're like, no, Kazam was a ripoff of the Sinbad film. Shazam. Right. Right. <laughs> um, the other ones that kind of throw me for a loop sometimes are anything to do with logos. Uh, so like the Monopoly Man on the game board Monopoly apparently never had a monocle, but I definitely remember him having a monocle. I what? know Me a lot too. of people do. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, he definitely had a, a monocle. Mon apparently not. He does have one eye closed, right? Maybe that's where people were getting confused. Perhaps, yeah. Like if you go Google image search Monopoly right now, you'd never see him yeah. with a monocle. And I do see a Mandela effect graphic where it's showing what's allegedly the real graphic and then the graphic with the monocle and i'm looking at these and the one with the monocle is the one that looks right i know right if you if you put those side by side and told me to pick the right one i would pick the one with the monocle yeah <laughs> me too uh, who had a mon somebody had a monocle mr peanut had a monocle I just Googled character with monocle because I'm trying to figure out <laughs> the count had a I monocle. I guess they do have a similar like design. Is it like a similar aesthetic? like, yeah. Rich man they, they making lots do, of money actually. off children. This is fucked up. I don't like this. <laughs> See, remember when I said that we're living in the shitty timeline? Yes. This is proof. And there's a better timeline with money bags from Monopoly yeah. having a monocle. <laughs> and in the other timeline, bucket list is an old timey term that has existed for, you know, ever. I've got another theory. The penguin from Batman always has a monocle. He also has a top hat, just like the Mon Monopoly guy. He's got a top hat, too. So maybe people are just conflating those two characters. Maybe. Perhaps, perhaps. <sighs> Which is like, it, we've run through some examples and obviously we've shocked ourselves. Um, what's the one that like really throws you for a loop if y'all had to pick just one? I have another one you haven't brought up yet. And it's a, I think it's a really big one. In Star Wars, Darth Vader doesn't say, Luke, I am your father. Yeah. Yep. He says, no, I am your father. And that one mm -hmm. was really upsetting to me because that's such an important oh, no. line that everybody recites. Luke, I am your father. That's the fake one. So no, I am your father. It's just it doesn't it doesn't feel as epic. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue, huh? So one that has always gotten me is the spelling of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A <laughs> is not spelled C-I or C-H-I-C-F-I-L-A. 
Uh-huh. Or C H I K. It's C H I C K dash F I L A. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I one. Didn't, but I like, have gotten confused before. Yeah. Talk in the Discord right now. And I saw this in one of the lists about the Britney Spears microphone one. Everybody thought she had that microphone that wraps around her face in a music video, but she actually didn't. But we all remember her having that iconic microphone. But I don't really buy into that one because. I remember the microphone from live performances, not the music video like everybody else is apparently remembering. That's kind of funny because I think that like in like the people call that the Britney mic. Right. She's just so iconic for using that. Also, Probably just because there was so much dancing in her sets and stuff like that. So speaking of music, though, I know that another really big one is uh, people thinking that uh, Freddie Mercury sings We Are the Champions of the World, but he actually only ever does that in at the live performance at Wembley and it's not actually in the recorded version but I know and like that's crazy to me when I Mm -hmm. anytime I think of that song I definitely hear in my head I hear the Wembley version but it's as though it's a studio recording I can't explain it me too it's so Mm -hmm. weird um apparently Hannibal Lecter in um in um silence of the lambs never said hello clarice oh that one is crazy because What's the real that line? is a movie line people quote and I it's know. not even in the movie at least luke i am your father could just you know it's it's just like a variation of what was actually the line yeah apparently all he says is good morning oh but people swear to god that they remember him saying hello clarice like that's such a it's an iconic movie line that people swear they remember what's that game you play as kids when you pass a message down the line via telephone. whispers telephone, telephone. Yeah. i feel like a lot of these are examples of telephone one person says it a different way and it just spreads it's a domino effect it's a snowball mm-hmm. and i know these have snowballed extraordinarily but I think that's just what happens. The, the, but again, like the, the ones that really kind of, you know, make give me goosebumps are just usually like logos where things just completely disappear. Because yeah. I can I can understand misremembering uh, the way a line is delivered or a lyric in a song. But stuff like, you know, the missing monocle, it's like, how can so many people just think that he had one? Or like another good example of that is Fruit of the Loom. Apparently, there was never a cornucopia behind the fruit. But I definitely feel like I, I like I remember cornucopia I remember on it. those tags when we had Fruit of the Loom stuff growing up as kids. So maybe we should buy into this parallel universe reasoning. I, do. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Come to think of it. Doctor Strange, the Multiverse <laughs> right. of Madness, coming soon to theaters. Hey, there are some scientists who genuinely believe in that. So I'm going to have to go back and like I bookmarked or I, I favorited this TikTok that inspired this segment. And I, I fully plan to go back and read through the comments in a couple weeks because there are people in there that are like, I swear to God, I wrote the term bucket list down in my diary in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really yeah. hope you find that diary and well, maybe some, some carbon dating or something. Like, yeah, I swear to God, I am not making this up when I say this. I believe I invented LOLOL. No, you didn't. Drew. Not LOL. <laughs> I believe I inv- I believe I was the first one amongst my friends to say LOLOL in my AOL so. Instant Messenger. I'm just telling you, before nobody was doing it in my buddy list before me. But you probably saw it somewhere else. No. And then brought it to your friends. I don't. When would I have seen that? I, you know, I was just dialing into the internet. Then logging I thought off. you were like the person that was online more than the three the three of us combined. We just talked about our history with the internet. And Look, I'm just telling definitely you, felt like you were more connected than me. I have reason to believe I invented LOLOL in my friend circle. I won't. I won't take full credit for the world yet, but I believe I created LOLOL. I also, speaking of that, I think we should try to create our own Mandela effect. But I don't know how to really get that started. Like, do we just start saying a phrase on air like we've always I known think, it? I think that we take the hashtag out of the logo and then we erase all traces of the old <laughs> That's, that's sneaky, though, Pam. That's and then sneaky. we, like, gaslight then, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> we say there was never a hashtag. There was never a tagline that said the hashtag is silent. <laughs> 
that art you have printed that we signed, there's right, no, exactly. that's not real. Doesn't that's from exist. an alternate universe. <laughs> you printed it yourself and forged the signatures. Pam, this is the sneakiest thing you've ever done. <laughs> I'm surprised by you. Well, what I mean, like, it would have to be something like that. I don't know what we would, uh, unless it turned out that, like, you know, everybody thought that Simming originated on this show and it just, like, was never on the show. No, but like I said, I think we should just, like, start saying a phrase on the show casually, not announce that we're starting to say it, and see if it kind of seeps into society. Like, somebody got vibe started a couple years ago. I know that's not a new word, but people use vibe all the time. When did that start? And who started that? It must have been on TikTok or social media. Catherine is saying maybe Eric was the one who always sat in the mic chair. Oh, yeah. Eric has been mic all along. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll talk about this off air. I really want to start using a word that like we don't use ever and seeing if we can kind of just like get it going like a, a whole okay. new word or a new phrase like bucket list. And then mm-hmm. we could be like, oh, when we were kids, we would always say the phrase one in the pink, two in the stink. When really it was <laughs> yep. two Always in the pink, said that one, one in the stink. Yeah. Was like you leave for school in the morning and you're like, bye, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, there's more to get to today, but we have a new sponsor this week who I'm so excited to tell you about because they are one I am just so excited to start using. They are apostrophe. So I have had acne for as long as I can remember, for as long, for longer than I've been using the phrase the bucket list. When I was a teen, I would tell myself, oh, I'll grow out of all this acne. It'll be over soon. Well, here I am 15 plus years later and I am still dealing with acne. It's embarrassing to have breakouts when you're going out, when you need to take pictures, right before a big date, especially when you're this age because you feel like you should be able to get it under control already, and that's always been my problem. I am just so tired, honestly, of dealing with it. And recently, I was thinking of going to a dermatologist to really get serious about this, but then Apostrophe told us about what they do, and I got started with them. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. You simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history. Then you snap a few selfies, and your dermatologist will look at the photos and your quiz results and create your customized treatment plan. So what I especially love about Apostrophe is that they're bringing the dermatologist right to your home through your phone. You don't need to go to make an appointment or go into an office. Everything is handled online. And then after a few months, your dermatologist will follow up with you to see your progress. And if things aren't working, they'll try something else with you. So this is personalized, real care that you're getting. This isn't going to a store, getting cream, trying, and then maybe failing. This is actually working with someone, and this is why I'm so excited about it. I feel like I finally have someone in my corner who's going to help me get this taken care of once and for all. I want you to try this out. We have a special deal for our audience. Save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash M-I-L-L when you use our code M-I-L-L. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash M-I-L-L and click begin visit. Then use our code M-I-L-L at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash M-I-L-L and use that code M-I-L-L to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. I got my cream. I got my medicine the other day. I am so excited to to give this a shot and see how it goes. And I'll update everybody. Please do. So something I wanted to talk about today. Why are movies so long? And maybe here's a Mandela effect. It kind of feels like movies are getting longer. People (laughs) are talking about the length of movies again because the new Batman is coming out this weekend. And it's two hours and 55 minutes long. That's... At least three hours you're spending in the theater, probably closer to three hours, 30 minutes. And so Variety actually wrote this article on why movies are so long. 
And oddly, it mainly talks about why studios prefer shorter movies. And the TLDR on that is that it's a lot cheaper to create a shorter film. Obviously, less screenwriting, less shooting, less rewrites, less reshoots, etc. Uh, but there was one succinct area on why they are so long. Variety said, quote, many executives blame it on the rush to meet a release date. There's less time to make surgical edits that would prevent moviegoers from dozing off. In certain instances, directors can make the final decision to preserve scenes that others may view as indulgent. And once editing is already significantly underway, it's easier and less expensive, for better or worse, to keep it all on screen. And that kind of surprised me because I was like, if you're making a big Hollywood movie, don't you want to put a lot of time and effort into it, including spending the time maybe shortening certain areas down? Because as this article also brings up, you don't want people leaving the theater going, that's too long. Because then they tell their friends that and then their friends don't go to the movie. So it's two hours, 55 minutes, Batman this weekend. Then you add in at least 20 minutes for trailers and Pepsi ads. I like... I timed it one time at a theater. This is a couple of years ago now. It was like a half hour of trailers, 30 minutes. That's outrageous. Honestly, nowadays, if I'm running late, I don't even feel bad. Not at all. Most theaters have reserved seating. So I know exactly where I'm going to sit. And, you know, if I don't make it for trailers, I don't make it for trailers. I do enjoy seeing certain trailers on the big screen. But like you said, it's just it's so much with uh, now they have like full on commercials. The last few times I've been to the movies, there's like a car commercial Mm -hmm. in the freaking trailers. It's like, I don't want to see a car commercial when I came to the movies. Yeah, I'm here for an escape, not to remind me that I need a new Ford escape. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But to Pam's point, when I, you know, book movie tickets now, especially like she said, with most theaters, you have assigned seating now. To me, if I see that I'm booking tickets for a four o'clock showing, I'm like, oh, so it's really a 430 showing, which means I roll up at like 415, 420, and I can get into the theater and kind of feel relaxed and not feel like I'm running super late for the start time. So that part of it's kind of nice. But then it kind of raises the question of like, who are all these extra previews for? If people are coming into the theater and missing half of them, because I feel like I see other consumers doing the same thing. Yeah, people are wisening up to this. Why do I have to sit here for an extra 20, 30 minutes when I can roll in at the start of the movie or 15 minutes after the advertised start time? You know there's going to be at least 15 minutes of trailers, commercials, and ads for check out our ripoff of MoviePass. This one's way better. Trust us. But I was wondering, do you two have a limit? Like the Batman, for example. I loved Batman as a kid. I loved the Dark Knight trilogy from Christopher Nolan. The reviews of this new Batman are good, but apparently it's very dark, like a lot of Batman movies, of course. Um, But you combine dark with moody, a little slow, and three hours? I don't know. Three hours might be too long for me. Oh, we're seeing it. (laughs) <laughs> like well I you mean, two are comic book nerds yeah um but no i i definitely get it that if you're not into kind of the moody aesthetic for a whole three hours that it could feel like a lot um how w- would you feel differently about it if you knew there weren't 30 minutes of previews ahead of it N- i guess because we usually do roll in for the previews because it can be exciting to watch certain trailers on the big screen Mm -hmm. generally my limit is around two and a half hours i have to really be compelled to see a movie if it's going to be over two and a half hours and even two and a half hours i go under protest sometimes because there's like a quick two and a half hours funny fast paced etc and then there's a really long two and a half hours where you're checking your watch every 15 minutes you know looking ahead to this conversation I was wondering, when did this start happening? Like, when did it start happening that movies became three hours long? And I think we can blame Peter Jackson, because I feel like it's around (laughs) the time the Lord of the Rings movies came out that it became more popular. But at least he had, like, extended editions that you didn't have to sit at the theater for if you didn't want to, you know? Like, imagine if they hadn't cut all of that. I know, well, but even mm-hmm. the theatrical cuts were super long. That's well, true. Laura, I mean, you might be Mandela affected again, like Gone with the Wind. 
that was four hours oh, Titanic. I was right. So this is Very what long. I yeah, what I was right, trying to right. look up because I grew up watching a lot of musicals and a lot of those old musicals are very long. Like um, The Sound of Music is almost three hours. It's two hours and 50 minutes. You brought up Titanic, not a musical, but also one of those like big double VHS tape, you know, situations. Yeah. My Fair Lady as well, two hours and 50 minutes. So mm-hmm. I don't think that this is necessarily anything new. But what I do think is new is just... um a lot of these like bigger name directors either not having anybody around them to tell them that they don't need a certain scene to drag on for as long as it does mm-hmm. or like you know just like and then studios kind of caving to that to that whim like you know uh Peter Jackson will sell a four-hour movie or three-hour movie because it's Peter Jackson. He's also an Oscar winner. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also very long, also did not need to be as long as it was. Uh, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, like, great that Netflix put it on there and nobody had to sit at a movie theater for three hours, but all of those are really long movies that could have been trimmed down. I kind of felt that way, and I brought this up. It might have been in a Bay Hangout or maybe for our other show, MuggleCast, in one of those Hangouts. I felt this way about Nightmare Alley. Like, from, like, a dialogue and a cinematography, set design, costuming, everything from that standpoint, gorgeous movie. But they could have taken, like, 30 minutes out of that movie easy. And I remember coming out of the theater feeling like I liked watching it, but at times it felt a bit self-indulgent. And it's Guillermo del Toro. Like, who's going to tell del Toro your movie's too long? Right, exactly, exactly. You know what's interesting? A couple of folks on our Discord, uh, Shane and Katie, are bringing up that Titanic, when it was in theaters, it had an intermission. Do you guys remember that? It did. I don't remember that, but my mom went to see Titanic when we were talking about it. And and I, I think also on the VHS tape, it says that it's intermission right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the intermission sort of like where they cut it in theaters is where they cut the tape too. And I was obsessed with that movie when I was a kid. So I saw it in theaters several times. Um, I think my parents were like, so you know what happens when they hit that iceberg, right? Like, <laughs> you figured it out by now, but I love that damn movie. You- so I saw it in theaters so many times, but I remember it being really nice to have that 15 minutes in the middle to like get up, go to the bathroom, go get concessions and then come back and you're refreshed for part two, you know? Honestly, I don't know why they don't do this anymore. I know that a big news story a couple of years ago was the... Avengers Endgame runtime, which was almost like three hours, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Or was it about three hours? Yeah. I, I don't know why. What I mean, don't you think theaters would want an intermission? Because if anything, it'll entice somebody maybe to go and buy oh, some more candy. Right. Right. Or Good yeah. Point. So I, I mean, I'm all for bringing the intermission back. I think that'd be great. It was three hours. Um, I saw a counterpoint to to your point, Pam, in the Variety article Longer movies are worse for movie theaters because they can show the movie less. Now, of course, they can run that one movie in multiple screen on multiple screens and then kind of make up for it that way. But that means they're showing other movies less. So I think that's the key problem. If they added, let's say, a 15 minute intermission, that would um, reduce the number of times they could screen a movie by maybe Mm -hmm. once or twice a day. And that really adds up over the course of a movie. That said, I love this idea for an intermission because I look at my watch at the start of the movie. I know the runtime going into every movie I sit down for. I look at my watch at the start and then I'm timing it for the rest of the time because I I like I don't know how to describe it. I want to know how much time I have left before I can get up and move on with my day. But also, you never want to be that movie that makes somebody check their watch. Yeah. I know. know? But I'm going to be that that for any movie. That is a good sign. I know. But in general, like, because I've definitely sat through some movies where it's like, how much longer is it going to be? And... And I actually, if it's a longer movie, it's funny. I'm the opposite. I'm more inclined to go watch it in the theater if I can, because I know that I won't be tempted to do other stuff while the movie's happening. Fair you know, enough, yeah. mm-hmm. like, like checking my phone because I'm in my living room or getting up to get more water and not 
pushing pause because it's like, what am I really going to miss? You know, but at the movies, you got to sit in that seat. Yeah. I kind of like, though, checking my watch sometimes and I'm like, oh, wow, this half hour flew by. This is a great movie. I like that that's your barometer for good pacing. (laughs) (laughs) If I was a film critic, I would just be like, wow, the time really flew by. You would have a a watch checker. Like how many times like did I check my watch? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do y'all ever use that app? I can't remember the name of it, but it tells you when you can take pee breaks. During the movie, I haven't. I've I heard never of this, have, though. but I've heard of it. Yeah. It's actually really good. It'll tell you specifically, like when this character says this line, you've got five minutes, go. Um, and I've used it a couple of times. It's really handy. <laughs> Maybe I'll download it just for the Batman. There you go. Wh- just is, in case. Yeah. What is the name of this? You said app. Is it a site too? It's called Run P. Can people rate the best P rates? <laughs> that would be a good idea. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah, I don't know. I've never looked that closely into it. I'll just pull it up when I sit down in the theater to be like, when can I go? I would like to see movies get shorter. I think with binging television shows, it's a lot more palatable because you kind of get a break every 45, 60 minutes to get up, go to the bathroom, check your phone. Whereas the movie theater, you're tied down for two and a half hours plus in many, many cases And it just doesn't work for our um, addiction to our phones. And I've brought this up on the show before. Like, I see people checking their phones a lot, very frequently during movies, even big movies. And it's so distracting because then I'm just like always thinking about the next time that dick down in front of me is going to be lighting up their phone again. Netflix, we want weekly releases and directors we want shorter movies and bring back intermission bring back intermission (laughs) yes this is millennials (laughs) list of demands for the entertainment industry all right before we move into our final story for the day we just wanted to give a quick plug for all the amazing bonus content we've got over at patreon.com slash millennial we've got after dark we've got the millennial variety show we've got palace intrigue we've got breaking news We have literal years of bonus content available behind the paywall. As soon as you sign up at the two, five, or $10 tiers, you're going to gain access to all of the benefits at your tier level from back to the very beginning when we started our Patreon. So if you're looking for a ton of content to dive into, that's the place you want to go. But for right now, today, we wanted to highlight the 2021 physical gift, which is making its way to patrons. I actually just received mine in the mail today. It's the Millennial Water Bottle. Look at this. Andrew is our Vanna White. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Vanna White modeling it off (laughs) like it's a vowel. Um, Yeah, these are double insulated 20 ounce water bottles. Really nice. The print on these bottles turned out so good. Yeah, we included a little note with the water bottle too. I'm really proud of this gift. I mean, this thing looks legit like you would find this in Target in terms of the print quality or something. Yeah, it's really nice. And to kind of highlight how much work went into this, we you know, had considered other designs and looked at other prototypes, but we didn't want to send this out to people until it was exactly right. And when we found this particular vendor, it was like, holy cow, like they just integrated the design into the water bottle so well. Yeah, they've been they've been really great to work with. And you get a new physical gift every year at the Bay level on our Patreon. We're already decided on our 2022 physical gift. And we're really excited about it. And that one will be coming out this year. 2021's gift hit some snags due to, uh, you know, everything that's going on. Uh, But we're in a much better place now. We have this awesome printer and uh, shipper. So you can visit patreon.com slash millennial for this benefit and, and many, many more. If you have any questions about the Patreon, by the way, don't hesitate to reach out and ask. And also, if you pledge for a year up front, you actually will receive a 10% discount. And existing patrons, you can actually upgrade to the annual membership as well. So check it all out, patreon.com slash millennial. This all goes to running the show. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you. Thanks, y'all. We really appreciate you. 
All right, jumping into our last story for the day, just something we really wanted to make sure to, you know, plug on air, but also kind of prime the pump a little bit here because I anticipate that we're going to be talking about this story over the next couple of months. I am sure Republicans are going to give us drama over this. Um, President Biden has announced his pick for the Supreme Court, um, Katanji Brown Jackson would be filling uh, the now-retiring Justice Breyer's seat on SCOTUS. This is super exciting for a number of reasons. Um, Judge Jackson is extremely qualified. She's Harvard-educated. She actually served as a clerk for Justice Breyer. Um, She was nominated by President Obama um, to serve on the U.S. Sentencing Commission as vice chair. She also received another nomination from Obama to the D.C. DC District Court. Um, And then just last year, President Biden nominated her to the D.C. District Court of Appeals. Um, And uh, on top of all of that, if confirmed, she will be the first Black woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court, which is super exciting Um, and just a move in the right direction. We know there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on the Supreme Court, but this is a huge win. Yeah, I think that this was really great. I was really excited to see that Biden made good with nominating somebody quick because that was something that he did mention when mm-hmm. Justice Breyer stepped down. And it's obviously what we were all hoping for because it's really important that he gets his pick um, through the, the process as quickly as possible with midterms coming up. So I hope that uh, that all of that does go well. He also made the announcement a few days after Russia started invading Ukraine. And in a weird way, I thought that was actually really good of him to do so for this country because it kind of felt like we can continue on with our lives. Yes. If he had continued to hold, it almost felt like we all as a nation had to continue holding. It kind of felt like a nice leadership moment. Yeah, I think so, too. And and not to turn this conversation into a Putin conversation, but I think it's a really valid observation. Putin knows it's a midterm year for us. Mm-hmm. He likes doing things to meddle in Western politics. So um, the idea that that may be one of his motivations for being, you know, disruptive would be the diplomatic way of putting it. Um, it, That just wouldn't surprise me. Um, But yeah, I agree. It's great to see that we're still working and that, you know, (laughs) the judicial process hasn't just come to a grinding halt because Russia decided to, or excuse me, Putin decided to be um, a real asshat here. Yeah. Um, But I know, Andrew, you posed a concern yeah. and i think it's a valid concern so tell yeah. us about it and maybe this is why he wanted to continue rolling out his <laughs> announcements yeah. republicans may try to block this nomination but can they get away with it can they hold her up like they did uh obama's pick merrick garland back however many years ago Well, the difference here is that although it's a slim majority, Democrats do have the majority in the Senate. Um, I can understand some concerns around, you know, Senators Manchin and Sinema, who have definitely made names for themselves over the last year or so by blocking some pretty essential legislation that was like the cornerstone of the administration's agenda. That said, they have voted in line with Democrats on all of Biden's other judicial appointments over the last year. Um, They have not raised any objections to those, um, which include Justice Jackson, or (laughs) I'm already calling her justice, which includes um, Ketanji Brown Jackson's appointment to the D.C. District Court of Appeals last year. Um, So they supported her in that. So that's one positive sign. Um, That said, I mean, I can't blame anyone for feeling uneasy because it certainly wouldn't be the first time Republicans have pulled something sneaky to hold something like this up. And to Pam's point about midterms, it's critical that this happens now because let's face it, 
Dems are not going to do well in the midterms. And after that, if we lose the Senate majority, then we lose the ability to easily, and I'm saying that kind of in acknowledgement that it's not easy, but it's easier to get your nominee confirmed when you have the majority. And if we lose the majority during the midterms, then that becomes a lot harder. And you could find yourself in a Merrick Garland situation, to your point, Andrew. Right, right. Um, Dems are hoping to have her seated by their April recess. So that would be by April 9th, um, which is right around the corner. Um, Actually, Senator Dick Durbin, who is the judiciary chair, um, believes that they may even have a few Republican yeses. So that'll be interesting to see. Worth noting, actually, um, Senators Collins, Murkowski, and Graham, all Republicans, voted with Democrats to place Jackson on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals last year. So they all voted for her last year. But what's funny is that Lindsey Graham tweeted last week that her nomination shows that the radical left won Biden over again. So whoa, who, kn- whoa, whoa. who knows with these ass clouds? Oh, wait, are you saying Republicans are hypocrites? <laughs> well, I mean, yes. That's there's no way. I've never but heard yeah. such a thing. I am shook. <laughs> but that's a, so, that's great. I love stuff like that. <laughs> I know. It's like you just voted for her a year ago. I mean, don't you think that that may have gone into this nomination picking somebody who Biden and his team already knew, Collins, Murkowski, and Graham have already voted for? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, someone who has had bipartisan support, even if it's not as much as you would have liked in the past, um, having someone who got at least a few Republicans to cross over party lines to vote, um, that's, you know, it doesn't hurt. I know Romney was indicating that he's open to considering her nomination. So Romney is someone who can also be a bit of a wild card when it comes to bucking tradition with his party. So we'll see. Um, But this will just be something that's happening in the news over the next few weeks. We may have a breaking news, um, you know, when we have a new Supreme Court justice, assuming Republicans don't gum up the works in any way. But we just wanted to make sure to acknowledge, you know, sort of the historical importance of what this will represent in this country. A hundred years ago, just over a hundred years ago, white women didn't have the right to vote. (laughs) And, you know, it took even longer for women of color um, and people of color to get that right. So to see the first Black woman being seated on the Supreme Court is meaningful in a number of ways. And I'm just crossing my fingers and trying to be extremely hopeful for a relatively speedy confirmation process. Yeah, I think there's every reason to feel good about this and her getting through. So looking forward to that day. All right. So it's time for our recurring segment, Millennials Make Commitment. What are our listeners committing to in 2022? And I'm going to start with one I'm actually really shook by. So remember our guest last week, Kira? I'm seeing that she filled out the Make a Commitment form. Her commitment was appear as a guest on one podcast per month. Hopefully that includes Millennial. That's so nice. She submitted this February 2nd. I emailed her not knowing she filled this out on February 3rd. Ladies and gentlemen, there's magic in Millennial's Make a Commitment. Your dreams will come true. (laughs) She manifested it. That's amazing. I can't believe that. That's so funny. I'm going to have to email her about that. Yeah. (laughs) That's the timing. Wow. Here are some other ones. This is from Jenny. I got my dream job in 2021. Now that I'm fully integrated in, integrated into the team, I want to work on my confidence. I'm committing to not putting myself and valuing my voice and unique contributions to the team. Mel said, establish and maintain a sustainable, healthy diet and exercise routine. Years of all or nothing approaches to my health has resulted in some pretty unhealthy and disordered behaviors. My goals are no longer based on the scales, but based on how I feel. Ooh, I like that. Good for you. Emily said, I'm starting Korean lessons. I joined an online Korean language school run on Discord. So my goal is to remain active there for a full year. By this time next year, I hope to understand more of my K-pop and K-dramas without translation. Yes, I love that. Are you into K-pop, Pam? 
No, it's like it's always on my pop culture resolution list, but I'm just it's so daunting, you know, to to know when well, every year I pick a different genre to try and like learn more about and I keep putting K-pop off because yeah, so yeah, see, our social media manager, Chloe's chiming in. She says, there's so much to K-pop. I know. I need, like, a a spirit guide <laughs> to, to show me the way. So maybe I'll work on that for next what, year. What genre are you working on this year? I'm working on country music this year, which is so country. big. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's time to, to kind of understand the ins and outs of what's popular there. Okay. Um, especially now, so... I'm going to change my recommendation this week, I think, and help you out with that. Do you have a country recommendation? Yeah. I've recommended him before, though. Orville Peck. Oh, oh, yeah. I was going to say, is it Orville Peck? (laughs) Gay country star. Are you listening to him? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he's really good. Mm -hmm. Another reason I wanted to bring him up is because he has a new album coming out. Part one was just released a week or two ago. It's really, really good. Uh, But we got tickets to see him. So, and that's going to be our first, actually, no, because now we have tickets to Dua Lipa. That'll be our first concert later this month or in April. I hear that that his concerts are really good. So, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to hear what you think. Yeah. So anyway, Megan said, in 2022, I am committing to try and get a novel published. I've been diligently writing for years and will always write no matter what, but this has always been a dream of mine. I have two completed manuscripts, and I think 2022 is the time to finally share my work. Yes. With how competitive the traditional book publishing industry is, I will statistically get rejected, but I want to try. Hell yeah, try. Yeah, and you can also self-publish. Yeah. A lot of people are doing that now, so don't rule it out. With the internet these days, luckily, it's so easy to get some yeah. work. Not easy, but it you can get your work out there to a very wide audience. So good luck with that. And one more today, Liza said, for 2022, my goal is to bake one Austrian dessert a month to celebrate my upcoming dual citizenship. My grandfather was born in Vienna, but fled at 13 to escape the Holocaust. As of 2020, grandchildren of Holocaust Holocaust survivors are now eligible for Austrian citizenship. I'm delighted that reparations do exist and sweets sound like a fun way to celebrate. That's amazing. (laughs) Wow, what a moment. Just wanted to preview what's coming up in After Dark today, too. Pam, you and I kind of tag-teamed this idea. Well, you brought up that there is this insane new Star Wars hotel that is opening soon, and I guess previews are now, you know, It's open as of today. Oh, it is open. Okay, Yeah. great. And there's a lot that goes into this, including including a very steep price tag, so we're going to break that down and since we all like to travel every now and then we're also going to talk about the things that we look for when we're looking for places to stay and then a few of us have some um, hotel horror stories so we're going to talk about those as well yeah this will be gossipy and insightful and horrific with our own stories (laughs) so that'll be at patreon.com slash millennial today if you pledge, you get Mega Millennial, which is the main show, ad-free, plus After Dark at the end. And you can actually get these installments delivered to your favorite podcast app, except for Spotify. So uh, you can listen to all this bonus content just like you do the regular Millennial. Patreon.com slash Millennial. Time now for recommendations. This is actually a recommendation for myself, the Tinder Swindler. I haven't seen it yet, but I see everybody talking about it. Have either of you seen this yet? I haven't, but it's on my docket. I know I need to watch it because I keep hearing about it from everyone. <laughs> I also haven't seen it, but I, oh. I would have bet money that Laura had because this I would feels have bet like a Laura you. show. Oh, yeah. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants to say the Tindler swindler instead of the Tinder swindler. I had to be really careful when I said that. Do you think that's because of the Hamburglar? Like, oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Is that another Mandela effect? Yeah. Is this even Oracle? <laughs> And also, like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Orville Peck, uh, really great artist. Uh, I love this new album so far. I would like to recommend um, a podcast behind the bastards, but specifically, they just came out with a four part series on Czar Nicholas II. Fascinating. I mean, I love this show in general. It's so informative, um, but also funny and makes history very accessible. Um, And I learned a whole lot about Nicholas II that I didn't know, I think, because of um, 
sort of the way his, you know, his and his family story goes, people kind of forget that he was a really shitty czar. And a lot of people died under his leadership because he was extremely ineffective. And um, yeah, I would just highly recommend it. It's super funny. There was a ton of backstory to go into hence the four-part series. If you're going on a long drive or something, this is perfect for that. It's super engaging and you'll laugh a lot and you'll learn a lot. And I wanted to recommend another very buzzworthy series over on Netflix. Uh, I wanted to uh, recommend Inventing Anna. Uh, This is a Shonda Rhimes show and Shonda Rhimes just, you know, cannot make a a bad series. So I feel like that would sell it alone. Um, and it's based off of a New York magazine article that came out a couple of years ago called How Anna Delvey Tricked New York's Party People. And it centers on this titular character and how she rose the ranks in New York City's social elite uh, by claiming that she was a German heiress. And she basically just swindled a bunch of very rich people out of a lot of money. And so if you're looking for a really quick binge, it's nine episodes. It's a mini series, And it's really, really great. It's got a really good cast, too. So check that out if you're looking for something that is really easy to digest and will keep you on the edge of your seat. Well, if anybody has any feedback about today's episode, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. Also, follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, Bye. everyone.